0: FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge
1: spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason, tiny little monkey boyhead venable, and I'm joined by special flashback co host Al Godzilla Face Sedano. Hey Al!
0: <laughs>
1: and we're going to talk about the 90s version of the return of Professor X. I
2: think Very early 90s. It's like, what, yeah.
1: 91? Barely, yeah. Yep. I do think you have to quantify when you say Return to Pre- Professor X, because I think there's a bunch of those.
2: <laughs> yeah, he leaves and comes back. Leaves and right. comes, back,
1: comes back. Dies, resurrects, you know, whatever.
2: Goes to space.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. this whole episode is pretty much X-Men in space. Uh, Mostly. Or yeah. in the past. Right?
2: <laughs> I mean, well, not the past, but you know what I
1: mean. Uh, the, the savage one, yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna hit uncanny x-men number 274 through 277 which is you know right in that kind of sweet spot of the 90s uh coming up on when the title splits uh not quite there but getting closer for sure um so yeah so Al, how's it going man thanks for coming on
2: pretty good thank hey thanks for having me i, I remember this era i was still reading the book when it came out so yeah me too. i remember these coming out new <laughs> yeah, we finally get to a point where the team was coming back together.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, so that's that's a good kind of segue. So this, of course, uncanny-wise, follows Extinction Agenda, which is where the X-Men all kind of came back from uh, Chris Claremont playing
2: 52-card pickup with them. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they're all... Sc- and it, that's what this team is, basically. It's all the scattered groups. It's the Forge and Banshee... stormy gambit and then wolverine psylocke and jubilee
1: yeah yep all all coming back together um to be x-men once again so yeah pretty cool era um it's uh very very fondly remembered so we'll see uh what we thought of it this time around as well so so you said you bought these off of the shelf now as a kid i love these issues what is your before we kind of talk about what we think tonight, what's kind of your memory of these issues?
2: Oh, I remember being excited because we actually had a team of X-Men again. Right. So it wasn't so much these people scattered and alone doing random things on themselves. It was now a team once again, and they felt like there was a direction again.
1: Right. Yeah, very much so. I was, I was super stoked just to see Jim Lee kind of draw everybody together, you know, um, there's something about the way, I mean, his art works really well with the solo stories, but there's something about him doing big action that just really, I think I still like it, but I, I like drooled over it as a 12-year-old. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome, best, my favorite artist of all time, and so um, yeah, I be mean, interesting to see kind of how that compares or how it stands up, but this is this is prime X-Men when I was a kid.
2: So. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Although, I did find it weird when they were wearing all the, the uniforms throughout this whole story.
1: Yeah, I remember that because I actually had... I don't think it came out... At, I think it came out a little bit later. But, um, you know, there's, there's a cover of Wolverine in the old uniform, and I had an action figure that was pretty much that cover. Um it was Wolverine in the yellow and boy with the red belt, no mask, claws out, even the little leg bands, like it was pretty much that that design on the action figure. And I remember I think I remember that figure. I played the hell out of that figure. <laughs> I had several, you know, surprise, surprise, you know I grew up to do Wolverine podcasts, but um yeah. <laughs> had 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 several Wolverine action figures. I still about I, know, I think three of them have survived over the years, but um from my childhood, but I had a bunch as a kid, so I think that one I still have but the um so the way the figure was put together, it was like the forearm after the elbow was kind of two pieces stuck together with the claws kind of coming out of the middle okay. I, think, I think the top of his forearm fell off, so I just have the The (laughs) bottom bottom of the forearm with his claws sticking
2: in there. (laughs) If you play with fit toys back then, action figures always had a couple that were missing limbs.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Or your GI Joe's the thumbs always broke off. Yeah. Yep.
2: (laughs) Very cool.
1: Okay. Well, now remember, of course, if you're following along the episodes, we're kind of pinging back and forth between uncanny X-Men and the Wolverine solo series. So this story pretty much takes place right after Extinction Agenda, even though the last time we talked was uh, the Wolverine solo series of Mr. John Wilson. Um, this, this pretty much carries right out of the Genosha story and the X-Men coming back together and deciding what they're going to do, what the future holds. And then remember at the end of 273, Lila Cheney shows up and says, Come with me if you want to live. Or, if you want the professor to live and teleports them all away. So, that's kind of where we left off, and that's where we'll pick up in issue 274 A Tale of Pride and Power featuring Magneto, the master of magnetism, in Crossroads. Um, And there's an interesting thing in the credits here that happens for the first time. So, um, Chris Claremont does the script. Jim Lee, in addition to the pencils, gets a plotting credit. Um, so that's interesting. So he, he helped kind of come up with the basic story. And Chris Claremont kind of came up with the words. Um, of course, Scott Williams does the inking and classic Jim Lee, Scott Williams combo. Uh, the letters in this one are Pat Brousseau and the colors by Joe Rosas. And our cover is by Jim Lee and Scott Williams. And there's a lot of this cover I like. Um, It's probably my least favorite of the four we're going to talk about tonight. But um, it's got Rogue and her uh, famous and or infamous, I guess, depending on your point of view, um, torn up, savage land, barely closed uniform, uh, and then a little headband. And then we have Magneto looking just badass, and Rogue's kind of leaning on him. Then we have Kazar and all his buffy buffness um, (laughs) standing in the front with his arms crossed, looking very stern. And actually, most of that part of the cover is pretty good. There's always been something a little off-putting to me about Nick Fury's face. We have Nick Fury in the front, smoking a stogie with a big old 90s machine gun, and... Jim Lee's uh, shield uniform design is nineties to the max. Um John Wilson <laughs> how does he moving be, that. I know, right? And uh John Wilson will be proud of how many pouches there are on this uh design here. But um yeah, you would think that'd be not really optimal for fighting. Um but it's, yeah. good, but it's good for standing there and smoking a cigar.
2: <laughs> That's the dress uniform when he just has to be, you know, presenting to you know for people to get. Uh... They're trying to get the budget reupped, right? Right. Yeah, he's looking busy.
1: Yeah, he does. It also looks like um, what is it in the movie Up where the dog has like a translator collar? Yeah, and the little thing on the side of his neck looks like a little translator collar. I thought that was funny.
2: <laughs> so, what do you think of this cover, Al? Well, right now, all I can think of is Nick Fury saying, "Squirrel." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, indeedy. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Oh man. Yeah, I mean, it is weird if you if you're not looking at knowing the story, just looking at it because you got two of them half cloved and two fully cloved. Right. And it actually, story wise, it makes more sense for the half cloved ones because they're in a tropical jungle. Right, you know. So you, you know, you basically Nick Fury and Magneto are going to be very uncomfortable. They're yeah. going to be sweating a lot, and there's going to be a lot of chafing.
1: Yeah, but less mosquito bites.
2: <laughs> now, I don't think Kazar cares about that anymore.
1: No, probably not. I'm sure he's very, very immune to skeeters at this point in his life. But um, all right. Well, here's what happens in 274. So yes. Suspecting a recent Argentinian earthquake had unnatural origins tied to the Savage Land, S.H.I.E.L.D. is sent to investigate, but is ambushed by Zaladane. Magnino, Rogue, and Kesar defeat a band of Zaladane's mutates, and Rogue talks Magnino out of murdering them, so instead he throws them into some underground caverns and leaves them there. And then goes back near the surface. Uh, Back at the Citadel, possible sparks begin to fly between Magneto and Rogue. And then Zaladane attacks. Zaladane takes out Magneto and her forces seem to have Khazar and a weakened Rogue on the ropes until the Cavalry arrives in the form of Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. Our heroes regroup and are rejoined by Magneto whom they are both surprised to see alive and also vaguely suspicious of, but Rogue vouches for him, and they all prepare for battle. Meanwhile, Lila Cheney and the X-Men arrive in space, where they are subdued by Deathbird, who wants to fight them to convince them to kill Professor X. Dum, dum, dum. Right? Yeah, quite a little cliffhanger there. Um, so this issue really focuses on the Magneto story. The X-Men don't really come in to the very end where we kind yeah. of pick up from the end of the previous issue. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, this Magneto story is pretty great, I think. Um,
2: no, and like we said, I mean, as far as the X-Men are I mean, Matt Wolverine, but as far as the X-Men are concerned, this is like the one member that's kind of left really hanging with, you know, I mean, Dazzler long has been just gone. Right. And that was it. Dazzler at least kind of had like a Dazzler and Colossus up until what we knew kind of had an ending for their stories. Right. You know, their stuff yeah. was tied off. Colossus had the whole thing of becoming an artist and living with Callisto or something. Yeah. And Dazzler kind of came to some kind of self catharsis. So you can feel like there was at least like a seem like why they weren't coming back. But rogue stuff was still ongoing, and she was like the only one left out of the rest of the team.
1: Right, and so she had her little fight with uh, Pseudo Ms. Carol Marvel. Danvers, and yeah. um, Magneto was able to kind of like somewhat separate them, or at least kill like the version, the the zombie version of Carol that was trying to overtake Rogue. So, but right now she seems to be powerless. So she's been running around. Just kind of as, as a normal person, no powers. Um, but that first double-page spread when we open up to the Savage Land, I mean, Magneto definitely has a presence with Jim Lee. Like, he's, he's got his cape doing all the right things. He just looks like, ugh, I'm in charge here.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, definitely. He definitely. Jim Lee definitely did like drawing Magneto. He definitely liked making him awesome-looking and right powerful. You sure did. Um And that first page, that first double page splash kinda reminds me a bit of what was it Uncanny one fourteen or one fifteen with like by John Byrne where like all the X Men are climbing up the mountain in, in the Savage Land. Oh,
1: yeah. I can see that. I mean, they're definitely on different levels of that peak. So that makes sense. Yeah. And then uh we get of course it's the Savage Land, so we get dinosaurs and and frog people and all the stuff that comes with the Savage Land. Um
2: Oh, yeah, all those mutates that Magneto made.
1: Yeah, and then left. Magneto has a lot of regret in this issue. He talks about all the things he kind of either did wrong or walked away from, and he kind of feels responsible because he kind of made the mutates and then tossed them to the, to the side. Um, and He's kind of like, well, no wonder they hate me.
2: <laughs> I like well, abandon yeah. them. <laughs> well, I like when car- I like when writers take the different random things, especially since Magneto was a villain for a good portion of his history. Yeah. So he was just using like, well, we need a villain to be in charge. Of these guys let's use Magneto. Okay. We need a villain here. Let's use Magneto. Right. And now that Claremont's actually doing things with him, he's kind of taking all those disparate elements and bringing them together as like a, an actual history.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's pretty rad. Um, lots of nods to the kind of Magneto's story as we go through here. And he really takes a pretty, I mean, this, this Magneto arc over these kind of first two issues really kind of sets up what and how he's going to be for the foreseeable future. Um, so it's pretty good stuff. Definitely kind of the highlight of this, this first part of the issue. Um, yeah. And so we get, of course, some more flashbacks about his family and his daughters and uh, no surprise, but Jim Lee's uh, is the lupine. Is that the name of the wolf character?
2: Uh, I think so, yeah. This looks super ferocious. Um, And the dinosaurs look pretty awesome. Yeah, they do. They definitely do. Um, I want to see a one-shot issue where it's just each one drawing their own version of it, fighting each other. Simonson and uh, (laughs) Jim Lee just drawing dinosaurs attacking each other.
1: That'd be pretty awesome. And throw Sylvester in there as well. Um, That'd be pretty great. So I don't really have... A whole lot in my notes until page eleven, um, and then we get a little tidbit that I didn't know. And maybe I'd missed this, or maybe this is the first time they say it. But Magnino talks about wearing red in tribute to the blood of all those he's lost. Like that's how he chose his uniform colors. Now, I either didn't know that or forgot that, but I found it very interesting.
2: Yeah, I don't think I knew that before. I don't remember that so that must be new here
1: yeah it's pretty cool um i mean i think it could have just easily been i look rad like this so that's why i wear it but (laughs) it definitely kind of plays into the story of his kind of guilt and remorse and
2: regret so it kind of helps build that out a little bit oh yeah because that's it's giving him much better i mean at least if we're going to make him villainous again give him a better reason than just i need to be the villain
1: yeah, right. You yeah. know that, that kind of plays into because Magneto kind of sees in this issue Zaladane, well, she should that should be the name of like a Cajun restaurant. Um, <laughs> but she he sees Zaladane as kind of a, a twisted mirror version of himself, like what he could be if he was just super evil Magneto, and maybe even a little bit of how he was like in the '60s. Um, yeah,
2: that's what I was thinking of.
1: Yeah. But I really like this page, and I love how, in this story, the past continually challenges Magneto's redemption. Because he likes to think of himself now as having kind of turned over a new cape, and, you know, kind of having, you know, being a hero, he had his time with the new mutants and all that. But in this story, a whole bunch of stuff rears this ugly head that says, well, maybe... You haven't really changed, and maybe you're not all that much of a hero. And so, him wrestling with that is really cool.
2: Oh yeah, you mean like the the Russian colonel whose son was killed in that submarine yeah. way back when?
1: Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of a lot of interesting melodrama going on in Magneto's heart and soul
2: in this issue. Oh, and looking through this again as we're talking about it the scene where Magneto first meets that general and we see he has a hologram, I'd forgotten about that when writing my synopsis for 275. So, just to point out, he does have a hologram generator. He does?
1: Yeah.
2: Because when he, that uh, first page where he meets the colonel. first page where he meets the
1: colonel. Oh, yes, yes, and he sends this holographic image because he's afraid the colonel will try to kill him.
2: Yes, okay. i had forgotten about, just a note, when I do the synopsis for 275, i had forgotten the hologram thing. Oh, okay. it was seated in for <laughs> it was seated in before used later on so <laughs> very good
1: well um, so what else you have before the
2: x-men show up besides just a lot of really good art really good art I can see why people were shipping the rogue magneto thing yeah it kind of makes sense that it, it works in this issue I mean there's a lot of things going on in the storyline that are different than what will have come up later on I mean, There is no interaction with Rogue and Gambit, for instance, at all. Right. You know, Gambit seems more interested in potentially, you know, maybe Storm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And there's other things going on, but we'll get to that when we get to it. But it's just kind of funny reading this now where, like, we know all the stuff that will come up later on, and yet (laughs) this is before that, so it's so different.
1: Yeah, it is pretty different. of course, they don't even cross paths in this story because Rogue doesn't ever make it out to space. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah, that's really it for the, this part of the story, story. And we get back to the X Men. The X Men.
1: Yeah, I, I love how uh, so they show up, of course, in the in the yellow and blues or, or blue and gold, however you want to say it. Um, Lila's in her rock star clothes. Oh, I did want to point out. So, if you didn't listen to my last flashback episode when I talked about issue two seventy three, I had guessed that since they were in the uh perimeter of Lila's teleport that Scott and Gene were teleported away with them and we find out in this issue they were not they're left behind with uh Guido. Um yeah. and so so I, I spoke mistakenly. So a correction there. They did not go to space with the X Men. Of course they stay they stay here and go off and uh have a whole lot of drama in the in the current issues of X Factor. Um yeah, that would be the
2: whole thing with the baby, right?
1: Yes. Yep, and Apocalypse, and yeah. Yep. Yeah. Big time yeah. X-Factor stories leading up to some pretty big changes for that book. Um, and also introducing the Wasp Portacio run on that book as well.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's right, because that's when he was working on it. But yeah, yeah. so we've Cyclops and Marvel Girl left behind. Not Marvel Babe, as Guido thinks.
1: <laughs> that was almost your uh, your introduction name was al marvel babe um <laughs> i can look that yeah uh, i like how jubilee like does everyone you guys know have powers
2: <laughs> yeah she's like wait a minute do you know anyone normal it's like right no 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 we don't <laughs> it's like spider-man does he know everyone anyone normal not for no, normal.
1: no not yeah if they are they change pretty quick yeah um and then you get captured by this gross spider thing. Um,
2: the hentai monster, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Especially that bottom of page twenty nine where they all get in- individually wrapped. Um, I I gotta say, man, I've been really loving rereading early Jubilee. She's so much fun, um, and her and Wolverine. Make such an interesting team um they, they counterbalance each other quite a bit um but yeah so our team is uh jubilee gambit Forge, cylock banshee storm and wolverine um they all they all get captured and then deathbird shows up in full full jim lee pose at the end there in a splash page um there's a lot of tubes going on there in her uniform. Uh um, well I think
2: that's to inflate her new um her, her the new work sure. she had done recently, Because <laughs> I do not remember Deathbird being like um stacked like that. Is that yeah. the way to put it? It's like, whoa,
1: someone yeah. had work done. Yeah, no, those are definitely some uh those are classic Jim Lee boobs, um for sure. Um but yeah, no, uh, well, so what else do you think, what else you got going on in this issue? I just, I know I have a lot to say, but I did really like it it was a really fun
2: issue. Oh, it was good. It was a great, I mean, like I said, the only thing I remember being frustrated with when it first came out was, oh, we're going to see what's happening with the X-Men and perfect. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Press I mean, but pause. Least, at least the Magneto Rogue story was good and you can tell they were both leading to something big for the next issue.
1: Yeah, Definitely. In the next double-sized issues. So, um... I rated these all the same, but that doesn't mean you did. So do you want to rate them as we go, or save it for the end?
2: I think we save it for the end, because, again, this is a storyline. This is a whole story. Even though there's two stories, they kind of work together a bit. Especially
1: in the one you're about to talk about. 275 is really... is is double-sized, and really kind of tells both stories. So... Hey, right, cool. Why don't you, uh, why don't you kick us off to Uncanny X Men Two Seventy
2: Five, the Eagle Award-winning X Uncanny X Men. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Yeah, it's been a while since I saw one of those. I wonder if they still exist. I don't know. Interesting. So yes, this is Uncanny X Men Two Seventy Five, The Path Not Taken. Writer Chris Chris Claremont, pencils Jim Lee, inks Carl. Alastair and Scott Williams. Colors, Glennis Oliver and Joe Roses, Letters by Tom Orsyskowski. Editor Bob Harris. Cover by Jim Lee, Rick Parker, and Scott Williams. And yeah, it is a th- this is a three-part gatefold cover. So it's front cover, back cover, and a fold-out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Featuring and, all the new team.
1: Right. It's, it's really cool because they're in color, and then all the kind of supporting characters are like in this purple hue in the background like I remember my, serpent yeah i remember my comic shop as a kid had a poster of this and i always thought it was really really cool um i also love the jubilee's earrings
2: say jubilee um yes. <laughs> it's all a considering the fact that she was basically her, co- her first costume was modeled after robin yeah she learned one thing from batman Branding, branding, branding.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. So we have this uh, mystery character in the back, then Wolverine, Psylocke, and Forge on the main part of the cover. Then the first fold out is Storm and Jubilee, and then Banshee and Gambit on the back. It's a, it's a rad cover.
2: Yeah, and in the background on the back cover we got Rogue, Magneto, and Saladin. And on the gatefold, we got Deathbird, Gladiator, and Lalandra. And yeah, you're right. There is a mystery person behind the X Men um, on the center on the main cover, wearing a silly helmet that's putting Strife to shame. I think.
1: Yeah, a little bit. It definitely has a Strife uh, vibe to it for sure.
2: So, but yeah, no, this is an awesome cover.
1: Yeah, it's great. I wouldn't mind having a poster of it again.
2: <laughs> and my one regret of this time period is that we really don't get this team for long. No, no,
1: not, not very long at all, actually,
2: but, but it's good. while it lasts. Oh yeah. All right. So I guess, do we have more on the cover or should I get, no, get go ahead it? and uh, okay. jump on in. This is a, this is a doozy. Yeah. This is a double size issue. So that means it's a double size synopsis. So strap <laughs> in people. It's going to take a couple minutes. Okay. So inside the book, we have not strife, because we don't want a name for him yet, and the Starjammers, Kosair, Hepzibah, Raza, and Chod. And you know Chod's an alien because there's an apostrophe in his name. Right. (laughs) They are are attacking a Shi'ar ship, an Apocalypse-class behemoth. It's the flagship of the Majestrix Deathbird. Deeper inside the ship, we see the X-Men where we left them, held captive by Deathbird and her pet tentacle monster. Jubilee and Wolverine use some teamwork to break him out. But Deathbird takes him down pretty damn fast. He manages to free Jubilee, but not before Deathbird knocks him down again, and this time shoves a spear through him to keep him there. Jubilee pulls that out, and Wolverine goes after Deathbird while Jubilee frees the rest of the X-Men. And no sooner does she do that than the Starjammers break through the wall, Reunited with their allies. The X-Men help the Starjammers take on the Lioness forces, including the Legion of Superhero. i sorry, I mean the Imperial Guard. <laughs> Deathbird, meanwhile, is trying to make her way to an escape pod, but Wolverine got there first. And the battle's now over, and Wolverine, having defeated Deathbird, Lalandra is able to again regain her crown and becomes Majestrix of the Shi'ar once again. However, the X-Men are wondering, where where's Xavier? Until they find out he has been one fighting with them in the Strife cosplay. <laughs> you know, so, back on Earth, and then, like, ha- half this issue is fully the Savage Land stuff. Yeah. Uh, real quick, how much do you want me to go over the Savage Land stuff? Like, you want uh, me to go over it or just say real quick, they fight, they fight, they fight?
1: Uh, well You do however much you want to do, man.
2: Okay, I wasn't sure. Anyway, back to it. Sorry. They yeah, no do problem.
1: Editing. No, no, no. I'm,
2: I, who's editing? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, never mind. All right. <laughs> just kidding. So, <laughs> back on Earth in the Savage Land, we have a quartet of helicopters heading towards Zaladane's base, containing the S.H.I.E.L.D. and U.N. troops dispatched to the Savage Land to deal with Ms. Dane. On board one of them is Nick Fury, Kazar, Zabu, and Rogue. Uh, there's some chit chat about Rogue's need to wear shield armor as her powers are still gone, although Kazar never wears any, before it's moved into debate about whether their attack plan will work or not. One part of this plan, devised by Nick's vice commander in this mission, Colonel Semeynov? Simeon, I'm bad with R- Russian names. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll go with you. Semeynov. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the one part of the plan is Magneto to help protect them from Daladane's own magnetic powers. However, the colonel reveals his real mission to kill Magneto in revenge for his drowning drown- that Russian submarine, Rodino, way back in Uncanny 150. By blasting the lower-powered Master of Magnetism, which also takes out the copter of all of our heroes on it. And, of course, in that moment, Dalladayne's army attacks. So Rogue wakes up to a dinosaur trying to take a bite out of her. The armor actually protects her, so good for that. And she's able to punch it out with her super strength gradually returning. Oh. Uh, she, moved, she moves to the down copter to see the other scavengers going after the dead and dying crew, and re- receives help from Zabu because Zabu is awesome. Yeah, buddy. Unfortunately, they are too late to save any of the crew, with conveniently only Rogue, Kazar, Zabu, and Nick Fury surviving. <laughs> However, Nick has at least managed to save all of the equipment, and I mean all of the equipment. <laughs> I think he got the equipment from the helicopters too, there. It's amazing. <laughs> Inside Zaldane's base, the captive colonel is attempting to make a deal with her to become the recognized rule of the Savage Land instead of just attacking the rest of the world. She's using a transfer device created by Brainchild to transfer Magneto's remaining powers into herself. Though he still has enough power that she can't take it all at once and we will need at least one more session. Until then, she leaves him to be beaten by Shanna the She Devil, Kazar's wife, and Nereal, leader of the United Tribes, impossible baby mama for Colossus' kid, because <laughs> they're being controlled by Worm. Outside, Rogue and the others attack, taking out some guards, <clears throat> using a holographic projector that I swear was not mentioned before. Okay, it was. <laughs> a And they make their way to where Magneto is being held. We get fight, fight, fight. And also, all rogues' powers coming back pretty damn fast. I mean, just like, boom, they're there. Yeah, wahoo. During the commotion of the battle, the weakened Magneto makes his way back to the transfer machine, and switching the polarity of the neutron flow, absorbs both (laughs) the powers back, leaving Zala defenseless. He then takes his revenge on the Colonel and Zaladane, leaving them both dead. I think dead. Well, he's dead, but I'm not sure about her. And leaves. Now, meanwhile, in space, there's a massive state party to celebrate LaRange's return to power. And while she and Professor X are there, of the X-Men, we only see Storm, Banshee, and Forge. Wolverine has found a dive bar and is uh, meeting the locals.
0: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> and while Psylocke is in her quarters meditating until she's taken out by mm, someone. And we got Jubilee and Gambit wandering the corridor separately until they bump into one another in time to watch Professor X torturing Gladiator, Oracle, and Deathbird, and threatening to do the same to the X Men. And that's it. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was a hell of an issue.
1: It was. There's a lot going on here. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, it's interesting. Um. I. Yeah. It's. Sorry. Go on. No, I just, I really, you know, there's there's a lot of plot and a lot of story. But to me, the, the parts that are the most fun are watching kind of this new group of X-Men, like, interact together. Um, yes. I, I've, I kind of forgot how much I love early Gambit. Because it kind of becomes a little too much, <laughs> a little, you know, later in the... I'd say probably after like they get through the whole like Mister Sinister Marauder stories with uh, Joe Mageria. Um it kind of it kind of I don't know becomes a little less interesting for a little while. But I forgot that the early Gambit is like super fun, and so I've been really enjoying reading his first appearances again. Um, and Wolverine and Jubilee, like I mentioned earlier, are. Are a, just a fantastic combination. Um, having Storm back as the leader, um, she, you know, she's probably my favorite X Men leader. So,
2: of course, I love that. um Yeah, and it's kind of cool because you have already mini teams. So at least while they might not be a full team yet, they at least is teamwork because certain ones know how to work together already. Right, right. You know, I mean Banshee and forge had several adventures together. You know, Wolverine has his little mini you know trio.
1: Right, yeah. You know, Gambit and Storm have been together for a while now. Um, I love, uh, since this, this is the podcast that goes Snitch, I got to mention that uh, Wolverine's, yes, he, he has a lot of tough guy lines in this storyline. Um, you know, one of them is uh, Don't fret, Deathbird. Bad as things seem, I guarantee to make them worse. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and the next one, gave you fair warning, Deathbird, I'm a man of my word. Right. <laughs> but this is also that period of time where they were doing some stuff with Wolverine with his powers, because, I mean, Deathbird knocks him down, and she's like, he's a shadow of his true self.
1: Right, yeah. It's he's,
2: like, it's he's just forcing himself to move along, he should be dead.
1: Yeah, pretty much. His healing factor is on the Fritz, and I, and I honestly don't remember how that resolves,
2: so I'm actually pretty interested to see... I'm wondering if that's one of those uh, abandoned and forgotten things. I am to read that too. Right. Yeah. Because I'm reading this knowing certain stuff for the future. Like there's a part, I think it's this issue where Gambit saves Banshee. He's like, I don't know enough about Banshee yet. Uh-huh. I can't have you do anything to him. And I'm wondering if this is when Claremont was still writing Gambit with like his original intent for Gambit.
1: So I'm curious about that. Do you know what that is? And this is definitely different than where he goes.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I saw Claremont once at a do a panel like 10 12 years 15 years ago at a at a Wizard World Philadelphia. Okay. And he was talking about some of his original plans. I'm assuming there was original plans. I mean, for instance, when he did X-Men Forever, he said it was his old plans, but it's been so long. I have to assume, you know, I had to assume at some point his plans might have evolved over time. Right. You know, maybe influenced by what he said, you know, saw happen later on. But I can only go by what he said. So his original plan was that the kid Nathan, who grew up in the orphanage of Cyclops, do you remember him? Vaguely, yeah. You remember like from Inferno and the, the like flashbacks, to like the Cyclops as a kid, yeah, was like Fred right. Nathan, and that's you know, and that's who Madeline named the uh, right baby after Cable. Nathan was like a mutant with like a power. I think like it was supposed to be his power was like he could create things out of thin air, and okay. he created Sinister. And that's why Sinister, like, Sinister was like a 10-year-old boy's version of an evil monster bad guy.
1: Interesting.
2: And Gambit. And Gambit was like his idea, like a 10-year-old's idea of the coolest guy. Right, okay. So, you know, they really weren't real people. Or, or, I mean, they probably were this you know after a while, but I mean, they weren't, you know, they don't have parents. You know, they weren't given birth and had childhoods. Interesting. Kind of... So I'm wondering if that was if he was writing Gambit still with that idea in mind, and I don't know if there was going to be any more connection between him and Sinister.
1: Huh, I don't
2: know. know. I I don't know if that was his plan. I don't remember him saying that. Right. So, I mean, was he just learning because he's trying to learn? Was he learning because he's actually working for Sinister or because he's still part of Sinister or what? I don't know.
1: Interesting, yeah. No, it definitely sounds like he... Well, it's funny because that doesn't come up at all. Until after, well, really, until this issue. Um, because the whole time he was running around with Storm, he just kind of felt like he was just a charming thief, and it was kind of really that simple. Um, and this definitely kind of adds a layer of complexity that he's gathering information. And in, I think in issue 274, I think Banshee says, you know, Gambus asking a lot of questions, and we don't know anything about him. So it's yes. kind of it's kind of setting up this new direction for Gambit. I mean, I, I say I say new loosely because I mean he's only been around for a few issues, but still.
2: Um, that was the other part of that. That's right. Thank you for reminding me.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I that was, and I don't know if that. I don't think it really goes. I think by the time he starts hooking up with Rogue, that's all forgotten. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they had any interest in doing that, Jim Lee and, and uh, Wallace, when they were doing the X-Men books. Right. And Claremont was gone by then. And then after they left, it probably was completely forgotten by any, you know, if anyone knew about it. I mean, the only one who probably was still there who could have known about it was Bob Harris. True. Yeah. You know, so unless he told the, you know, unless he, he told the new writers and artists about it, it's nothing that would have been done.
1: Yeah. Yep. Very true. Um. You mentioned the, uh, the teamwork. I really love that Jubilee and, and Wolverine work together. Like they, can't, they can't use their own powers on the tentacles, but you can use somebody else's powers. And so Jubilee like, shoots fireworks and lets Wolverine loose, and he uses his claws to let her loose. Um, and that page of him tackling Deathbird, that's an
2: amazing page. Oh, that top panel especially, yeah.
1: Yeah, it looks so good. I mean, this, that's that's prime Jim Lee, and prime Jim Lee Wolverine as well. Um, and then he, you know, he continues to cut through them. Jubilee gets really upset. It's, it's fun and cute how protective Jubilee is of Wolverine. Really, from the moment they start hanging out, like she's just super concerned about him. Is always like you stupid macho. Why are you always putting yourself in such bad spots? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like um, when you get mad at someone because you care about them so much, like, yeah. you know, it's just a really fun relationship. And I really love
2: reading oh, it again. It makes sense. Even more so than the, like the mentor relationship he has with Kitty. Cause Kitty at least still had parents around, right? You know, Jubilee's parents were dead. She was an orphan. And so this is now her new protector slash dad. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, of course she's, you know, which is probably why she's, you know, so paranoid about Psylocke taking him away. And also about anything happening to him because this is her family, Wolverine. Yeah.
1: You know, I think that's a really interesting kind of subtext to Claremont bringing everyone back together is everyone trying to kind of be big about it, but dealing with what they've lost, because Jubilee is kind of losing, like, this intimate kind of traveling companion she's had in Wolverine, and even Cylock, who she was kind of suspicious of, but still you can tell that she kind of misses them running around together, And, and Gambit also kind of has to mourn, like, the loss of you know kind of being storm's caretaker like he's been doing it for so long that now that she's grown up and independent and the leader of the x-men like he has to adjust to kind of his new role in her life and i I think the kind of the sub kind of conversations of all that is really interesting
2: yeah because like i said it's like all these little teams forming a big team but now the dynamics are different. It's not just Forge and Banshee working together as, like, you know, buddy cop partners. Right. Or, you know, the three of them or Storm and, you know, Little Storm and Gambit just going on, you know, thieving. They have to all adapt to these new things, you know, this new dynamic now. That's one of the reasons why I wish this team had stuck around for a while, because that could have been very interesting to see. Yes, it could have been. It, it could have gone in a much
1: different direction. I mean... 90s x-men even with the creative changes never lacks for melodrama but it, it could have just been a different kind of melodrama
2: um yeah but one thing uh, i'll say about what i did have good thing about what did happen is that because of the x x factor rejoining we got that new peter david written x factor which i loved
1: yes i love that too so yeah. i was very yeah.
2: at least that worked out for me <laughs> yeah because <laughs> that's yeah. all i care about is what it works out for me
1: <laughs> right <laughs> hey i have a question though
2: who's colleen oh it's one of those
1: weather one of the
2: star jammers no 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 it is one of those uh what's the best way to put it ethnic taglines uh, you know for from close claremont to show that this is an irish person by calling people colleen oh is that an irish thing uh, according is to Claremont.
1: Is a, a Claremont Irish thing? Okay.
2: Now, whether okay. it is or isn't, I have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> okay. But, yes, that's something that I've seen Banshee do, when, especially when written by Claremont, because he's Irish, and that helps point out he's Irish.
1: I guess I've missed him before. I've always seen him saying, like, I... And... Malad, you know, but I guess I missed
2: Colleen before. The same, it's the same as Colossus having to say Torvash all the time.
1: Right, right. <laughs> or because, Bourgeois. Right. We have to point out he's Russian. <laughs> right. Yep. Or uh, Nightcrawler saying, my yeah. God."
2: Yeah. Or okay. Unablach, or however that German yeah. word pronounced um, um, that um, I butchered. Right. Unglomlish. Yeah, that too.
1: Un- unbelievable!
2: I've heard it both ways.
1: Yeah, okay. Very <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, what do you think of this double page spread That's kind of a, almost serves as like a really cool roster
2: call out? Oh, it is very cool. That is a cool fight, and it's like has everyone in it. Right. You know, all the X Men, the Star Jammers, and the Imperial Guard or the Legion, depending on what you want to call them.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh. I guess only Dave Cockrum knows for sure. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I love really how you see everyone kind of doing their thing, right? Um, you know, Storm in mid-flight, Chiaud lifting up the leg of the giant, just brute strength. Forge and Corsair with guns, Gambit. Oh, you know, it's funny, because early Gambit, or I guess even later Gambit, too, Gambit and Dick Grayson have a lot
2: of the same moves. Um, yeah, they're very similar. They, is it this issue or the next one? They're trying to shoot him, it's like he's dancing around the bullets. Yeah, I think it's the
1: next one. But
2: um, Yes, that's right. It's after the, the Professor X thing. But yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's not yeah, just very, that he's yeah. agile.
1: Right, very acrobatic. Um, and Psylocke doing, like, a flying ninja kick. Like, everyone's kind of doing their thing um raza you know using his rope and his sword like a pirate um yeah it's, well, it's a pretty yeah. rad
2: page oh no it's awesome i love it and i do like i said i like that because it makes gambit and psylocke different even though they're basically doing similar things right it has a different basis to it so at least you don't feel like you're just reading the same characters who just do the same thing over and over again
1: <laughs> right it's like exactly. why do you
2: need both of them they can do the same thing
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: I wonder if we should count how many times Cylock talk, talk, talks about her psychic knife.
1: Oh, the totality of her psychic energy.
2: Um, yes, it happens a couple times in a year.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, Gambit is uh, he's definitely getting some screen time or some page time um, to kind of cement him as, as going to be a character that's going to stick around for a while. Um, and of course, even a weakened Wolverine who who had a spear in his back. You know, the only thing I would say about that is I kind of feel like we missed a really good two- or three-page fight that all happens off-panel of him taking Deathbird out.
2: Yeah, but I do love that image, the pissed-off Wolverine, that third panel. Oh, and the shadow? Yeah. With the red eyes? That's, uh, That's pretty great. Oh, and speaking of abandoned plots, the whole Jubilee's crush on Gambit goes away pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, right. Um, and Forge is the one that's like huh? i think she likes him <laughs> yeah.
2: you either hate his guts or like him a lot
1: <laughs> right and, and jubilee being a teenager does both right yes she kind of hates his guts because she likes him so much um because she's like don't call me i'm not your darling um <laughs> and so i think he's calling her uh Cherie or Cher, and he's like She's like, I ain't sure, darling. Jeez Louise Gambit. I thought I
2: was the born motor mouth. Give me a break, will ya? Um I forgot how much I did like Tom Orshewski's lettering back th- back at this time in the X Men. I mean oh, he's the, way great. He, the way he like emphasizes certain letters, like the so the Geez Louise. It's not just G's Louise, it's like geez Louise. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: And I don't know, the way he makes like certain letters in the conversation like almost animate like um you go backwards uh to the page after wolverine gets stabbed um you have him kind of whispering and and jubilee with kind of the uh, onomatopoeia exclamation point and Mm -hmm. uh, stuff and then wolverine's like just do it and that dude jumps out and then when she says what are you where are you Wolverine and just the way it's emphasized and kind of moves in the word bubble. Like yeah, or is a letter genius and very, very, I won't say he's underrated because I guess people probably know, but it just it, in an era where people didn't talk about other aspects of comics work enough. You know, now people talk more about colors and letters and inkers, but
2: back then know, he was doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, back then he was a guy making all the letters really, really pop. And especially because the temptation, I think, with Claremont was so many words and just to be to to workhorse it out and just get it done. But he really takes his time. And
2: Oh, yeah, just from the lettering, you can tell that, Wolverine's, that sorry, Jubilee is a teenager. I mean, she's pretty right. whiny. Yeah, right you know but just from the way the lettering is and the way like you can hear that wolverine it's like a whiny
0: wolverine <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
2: <laughs> right
1: and then everyone's super happy to see professor x
2: um yeah it's yay and he's all happy you're wearing it. i do like that one party you know even though we find out it's not professor x but it's like you're in my ri- original uniforms too now that is a treat <laughs> right, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, we have more war- people have worn those in years. That's awesome!" Right.
1: So I feel like, or um, anything else before we switch to the Savage Wayne story? Um, no, I think that's it
2: on this whole thing. Please, all I have to say.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, Jim Lee kind of does, does a cheat here. I think he really wanted to give Nick Fury a mullet. And so instead, he has him standing with Rogue's hair blowing right behind him. So it looks like he has long hair. <laughs> he looks like uh, Lorenzo Lamas. Oh, Llamas. yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's got a whole Lorenzo Lamas renegade look going on there in that helicopter. Well, it's also fun because they have, like, reverse hair.
2: True, They I mean, do. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's not just short, long, but his is... Like brownish in the middle with the white sides, and she has the white in the middle with the brown sides.
1: Yeah, they're like inverse. Oh, yeah. that's that's cute. I did not even capture that. Good job. Um, I can see why they want Rogue to wear
2: armor, but why is not Kazar wearing armor?
1: Well, because he's from the Savage Land. He's he's a uh, he's Kazar the, eh, the She's Savage been an
2: X Men for how long? A hundred issues. I I'm know. sure she can handle herself.
1: Yeah, but well, she's powerless, so interesting i will say though i i can see why people ate up i know it's not necessarily always very realistic but jim lee's kind of faux military design work is really cool
2: yeah and you can see some of the seeds for like uh wildcats a in there yes
1: you do a lot that, I that think. one
2: the mask those guys are wearing that goes up and down reminds me a bit of grifter
1: oh yeah Kind of does. I didn't think about that.
2: I mean, if you just tie, especially with the hair showing up overhead, or like that, you know, it's like all you have to do is just make that tied with, you know, a felt instead of being a mass, you know, metal. Right. It'd be like Grifter's look.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's interesting. Yeah. And then, of course, the betrayal of Magneto. um, Then we get some more awesome dinosaur art. Um, Yeah. Zabu coming back. Uh, you pointed out the Nick Fury panel where I love that. He has his... like everything. <laughs> he might as well have had like the back of the helicopter sticking out of his pocket. Um, he should be a turtle on his back. <laughs> I mean And you said something that makes total sense to me that I never caught. Oh, I know yes. in the original story that there's like a tie between Polaris, and Zaladane. But you kept calling her Zala and Miss... I always just kind of threw that as one word. But it's almost like they have the same last name. Now, are they sisters? Is that
2: the thing? It was hinted at. Okay. Back then. Right. I think there was something in 250 where it was like, well, you know, someone mentioned something like, the only way she could do that to Polaris is if they were genetically related. Right. Okay. But, Um, Spoilers? for a couple pages from now. And uh, when I said, maybe they're both dead. As far as I know, they're both dead. Cause Zaladayn really has not had any appearances after this. Beyond like Prince right. or other stuff. So let's go with okay. dead. So that's another potential plot that I guess was a bit, you know, dropped.
1: Right. Well, so, but that brings it up though, because of course Polaris's real name is Lorna Dane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so, Maybe your read of that is more right than it really is like Zala is her first name and Dane's her last name.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. I've never read, actually, I didn't realize till now she has earlier appearances. She was like a Khazar villain way back in like 1970.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I didn't know that either. I assumed that she came in with the X-Men Savage Land stuff, but...
2: No, I looked up real quick while we were talking about stuff on a comic book DB. Yeah, Astonishing Tales 3 and 4 and 5 mm-hmm. in 1970 and 71, and then... K's number one, Savage Tales, and then X Men 115 and 116. Right. And then those, the Marvel first, two you know, three issues three and four of Marvel fanfare, and then we don't really see her again until that, uh, the Evolutionary War annual. Okay. Gotcha. And then these stories. So she really only has very few appearances. Huh. Yeah. All right. I feel like she was in more of it, but I guess she's only, because I'm only <laughs> showing four actual. Besides the annual four appearances of X Men, two forty nine and fifty in these two. Okay. But yeah, she feels like she has more of a presence.
1: Right. Then definitely talk about her because in the in two seventy three when they're identifying the big threats of mutant
2: um like she's one listed. <laughs> yeah. So But yeah, back to Nick so yeah, but back to the current stuff. So yeah, Nick Fury, like I said, Nick Fury you know what Nick I mean. I'll make fun of stuff. I still do really enjoy Jim Lee's art, especially from this time of X Men. Right. But yeah, based on what we say, I said before about Deathbird and Nick Fury here now in this panel, I want to see you team up with the two of them. Where Nick Fury just on his back like a turtle because he has too much stuff, and Deathbird's laying on her front because they she can't move; she's too heavy <laughs> that way.
1: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Uh, and you gotta love as we're getting into the early '90s, all the faux nudity. Um, oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's coming in full swing. You have uh, Magneto covered in shadow, and then Dane covered in smoke. Yes, <laughs> that's about it. That's all she's wearing is some some smoke on her naughty bits. Um,
2: Looks a lot yeah. like Psylocke in that panel too.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Of course, Psylocke. You know, you mentioned when she was meditating, she was naked as a jaybird as well um but yeah um is it this issue or the next one where they kind of just write off the fact that Shannon was pregnant and will not ever be again and that has a love child mm, something may have happened to it, but we're not going to mention it <laughs>
2: uh it's next it's no it's this issue when they go to rescue magneto they say what happened to the kids oh right right yeah. i think they, they had their baby ready and um, Shannon and Kesar. And oh, they, they say, did? Don't okay, okay. Yeah, and they say, I don't want to think about it. Right. Now, Which I is will say Which for, though. we're never going to write about him again. <laughs> well, no, in the Kazar ongoing series that Mark Wade did a couple years later. Oh, okay. The baby is there. That.
1: Okay, cool. I, 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 I will eventually get to that in my Marvel Unlimited
2: read. You do have to read. I don't know if it's on Marvel Unlimited. It wasn't last night. Oh, okay. Okay. I do have to reread that again, though. I mean, it was Mark Waid and Andy Kubert, and it was pretty cool. But he takes on Thanos. Oh. Which is weird.
1: Yeah. It's like, so you'll eventually have to cover that on your podcast. Or at least some of it, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: But anyway. So, yeah. Unfortunately, Nereal, Nereal and uh, Shannon don't really get much play in this story.
1: Nope, they're just there to look sexy for a minute and then beat on Magneto a minute later, and that's about it.
2: Yeah, thankfully we have Rogue in the story to actually do something for the women, because...
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. that, that panel when she gets her flight back and she laps off with the Nick Fury battle cry is pretty awesome.
2: Now, that is awesome, but still, it did feel very fast. I mean, we, fi- we finally got super strength coming back. Right. And it's like, okay, at least she's getting her powers back, but then all of a sudden it's like, boom, I got everything right <laughs> and they're like wow that was quick yeah it makes, was pretty quick yeah it makes me wonder because it's not credit this issue isn't credited the last one was credit plot jim lee this one isn't but well, i have to wonder how much he still did to the plot of it because i mean it's yeah. continuing last issue story so
1: you I, you mentioned you specified that claremont wrote and Lee penciled In my physical issue, it just says by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, and it doesn't doesn't give them a a specific credit. So I just
2: took that from Comic Book DB, but I mean, because look, based on that, that's all we can tell is Claremont's a writer, Jim Lee's a penciler, but we have no idea plotting. Right?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It it feels very similar to the issue before, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of if they kind of use the same method.
2: Um, And I'm also wondering, because this is around the time period, I mean, Claremont's going to be gone soon. Right. And I'm wondering if uh, this is around the time that they were, Harris was giving more control to Jim Lee and all them, to when Claremont left. Right.
1: Yeah, could be very easily. Yeah, yeah. And the whole, like... I think it's interesting what Claremont does, because we kind of had just started getting like the feelings for Rogue and Magneto and then Magneto makes decisions and immediately pushes her away. Um, and then of course we used to, to go be Magneto again, but you, know, you kind of really kind of feel bad for Rogues. They were kind of just starting to connect and then yeah. he, he becomes something that, that they can't kind of coexist right now. So um, that scene of her kind of shedding the single tear um,
2: it was pretty touching, I thought. Yeah, but I like the page before, the last line of panels. I am not Charles Xavier. I will never be Charles Xavier.
1: Yeah, I was, I was a
2: try. And just makes <laughs> that fist with his hand, and all the uh, metal stuff just into uh, Zaladin. And she yeah. did. Yeah, she did. She did. Um, yeah. And that's it, though. That's it for the Savage Land story. Magneto leaves, but at least they saved everybody, and, you know, Zaldane's well, well she's dead.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so back in space, you mentioned, of course, Wolverine taking in the local flavors. Um, yeah, I love that.
2: <laughs> mm. hey, are you sure we can't sell this with beer? You and your pal? No? All right. <laughs> I tried.
1: Yeah or at least I I can say I did, I can say I tried, um, and Jubilee is like, you know, mad that Wolverine's ran off and gone to space bars and, you know, running around the kind of the catacombs of the Shi'ar Empire, and, um, yeah, we find a really sadistic Professor X, and you kind of are left wondering what went wrong, um. So quite yeah. the cliffhanger on that one.
2: Yeah, Professor X is
1: evil. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking back, it makes sense. It really could have just been Professor X being evil, but we're going to find out exactly what happens in the next issue. So you ready to move to 276? Yes, let's do it. All right. So this is, says on the cover, Execution. Uh, the actual title is Double Death. Uh, by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, um, Scott Williams' inker, uh, Pat, Patrick Rousseau back as the letterer, and Joe Rosas back as the colorist. And our cover again by Jim Lee and Scott Williams. And a cover that's always stuck out in my mind. Um, just a white, stark background, of course, the big title block, the X-Men. Then you have Wolverine and kind of the same, kind of ripped up costume he had last issue at the end, and then Professor X holding on to his ripped-up flannel shirt for dear life, with the apparent, you know, what you're alluding to is that Wolverine just kind of struck him down. Um, and a either re-
2: thought he, he was doing his Red Fox impression.
1: Yeah, that too. That too. I remember-, <laughs> was- <laughs> I remember especially after the last Panel of two seventy five, you know, waiting a few weeks and going to the comic shop and seeing this and being like, "Oh no, what have they done? Like Professor X turned evil, Wolverine had to kill him." I cannot wait to get home and read this comic book. And so the cover really, really sells it, especially when you back it up to the last panel of of two se- of the issue before.
2: So yeah, and so what do you think? Well, he- of- oh, go on.
1: No, I was just gonna ask what you thought of the cover, so you can you can tie that into whatever you're about to say as well. Well,
2: first thing I say is going back to that last panel. I kind of wish they kept the name for the story that they told us was going to come next issue. In 275, it says next issue hopscotch. Oh yeah, <laughs> that would have been cool. I'm just entertained by that. But no, this yeah. is an awesome cover. I think this. I like 275 the best, but this might be almost a tie or like very close runner up cover wise. This is yeah. a pretty awesome cover yeah it's great like you said it's just it's simple because it's just the two of them there and the white background right but yet it is very eye-catching i mean it makes you know it goes oh what's going on here but wolverine if you have any clue about the x-men's wolverine and professor x and it looks like wolverine just tri- killed him right and it also is let's face it also it's not just a random pose cover this actually has stuff to do with what happens in the issue yeah, yeah, totally, totally does. So it works on a, it works all over, so I love it. Plus, we got the corner box again, with yeah. at least five of the X Men in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, we got a Wolverine head, Gambit head. Uh, oddly enough, we have Kid Storm head still, um, Jubilee and Psylocke. Yeah, so. next
2: issue at least we get all the whole team on there.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: so at least they get to be on there for once before they go <laughs> away. Yeah. Yep, very cool.
1: Alright, well, so in this one, Gambit and Jubilee watch Xavier torture Deathbird until Gambit's had enough. He jumps in, cards ablaze him, but Gladiator perfect, protects the professor. Xavier can't control Gambit's mind. We'll put a pin in that, that's really interesting. So he mentally grabs Jubilee instead. Deathbird jumps back in, and Gambit uses a cape to cover Xavier's head so they can escape his mental powers. I guess that works. Um, (laughs) They find uh, Lila who teleports Deathbird away. Gambit and Jubilee combine powers to cover their own escape, but draw lots of attention doing it as Lilandra and the rest of the X-Men converge on Xavier who claims Deathbird escaped and tried to assassinate him. Wolverine sniffs around a little bit, then attacks Xavier, slashing him with his claws, presumably killing him. The X-Men are shot. Psylocke hits Wolverine with a psychic dagger, the totality of her psychic powers. And Lila and Deathbird show up with big-ass 90 space guns and shoot some stuff up and then teleport the X-Men away, minus Psylocke. Uh, Llandra shuts down, but her Chamberlain sticks the Starjammers on the X-Men, who apparently have betrayed the Shi'ar. Lila takes the X-Men to a barren planet, where Deathbird recounts that a genocidal Xavier has been destroying planets in her name. The X-Men are doubtful, that doesn't really seem right, you're the bad guy, he's not... It's an odd kind of storytelling you're doing here. But but then Storm produces Jubilee's earring, which Wolverine had found on Xavier right before he killed him. So the Star Jammers find the X-Men, but Forge invents some space sleds uh, to fight with. And, but then Lila and Deathbird teleport away with an offhand comment about the Stranger. But I don't think it's that Stranger. At least if it is. It doesn't play into the story. Um, so somehow, Psylocke captures Jubilee. So Naked Jubilee and Naked Wolverine are retrapped by the manacle tentacle thing. Um, turns out the Chamberlain is a scroll. Dun, dun, dun. They've been body snatching and controlling the Shi'ar as their captives, including the real Xavier, who is stuck with the X-Men and other CR in a yucky... I'm sorry, said that wrong. A yucko, according to Jubilee, alien spiderweb. Hmm. <laughs> this is a pretty awesome penultimate chapter to this story, yes. I thought. Um, first of all, I love the first page where... Gambit looks very androgynous. I think that's pretty awesome. It's kind of like David Bowie or something. Um, Yeah, you're right. But yeah, so him and Jubilee teaming up, kind of a switcheroo on the, you know, the Jubilee Wolverine and the Gambit Storm team up. Um, And then, oh man, just... The art in this is so good. The scene of of uh, gladiator torturing Deathbird is pretty brutal, tearing off her wings.
2: Um, oh yeah, that is vicious.
1: Yeah, and Gambit really—I I don't know about what you thought, but I feel like Gambit really shined in this
2: issue. Oh yeah, Gambit's like okay, I'm gonna play the if I'm gonna be the hero. It, actually, I think if you wear wear the uniform of a hero, sometimes you gotta act the part, <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> And then the classic Jim Lee version of Gambit throwing his cards. Um, it's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. And again, the teamwork going on here with Gambit and Jubilee combining their powers. That was amazing. I love that. Yeah. That was good. But yeah, you're right. This is good, Gambit. This issue is good for Gambit because this is bringing him. Because before, he's just the thief with powers tagging along with Storm. And it's like, there's really no reason for him to be here.
1: Right.
2: I mean, you could. They could very easily, if they didn't do much more with him, they could very easily just have him at the end of the story go, okay, that was fun, but yeah, this is not my life. <laughs> right. And instead, they kind of have a bit of the hero thing getting into him, so you can almost see like why he would stick around maybe a bit, like he's having some fun being a hero. Right, yeah,
1: and kind of, hey, this kind of feels good, right? Um... He's getting
2: into it. And this is the whole thing about the, the page, about them trying to, it's like he's dancing around each incoming round.
1: Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, he just yeah, he really gets showcased. Him and Jubilee both, I love it. And like you said, when they uh, when they combine their powers, and he Jubilee throws her plasma balls, and Gambit throws some supercharged rocks, and they kind of make this big, loud explosion that covers their exit. It's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, and this is part one where Wolverine realizes you know, helps Wolverine realize something's going on because he said that's Bl- Jubilee's blast signature. So he already knows, no, Jubilee's here.
1: Right. Yeah. And then when he shows up and she's not, what's and going on? And they say on? she wasn't. Right, that's true too. So yeah, so not only the earring we find out about later, but they, they lie about her not being there. So yeah, so definitely something's fishy. And that panel with the snick and then him jumping those are some, oh, yeah. some great, great, great
2: panels. Um, and the, the whole thing of him cutting Xavier, just slash.
1: Yeah, oh, that's such a good page. Um, and then the look on everyone's faces is kind of like, uh, what, what just happened? <laughs> that's especially Forge.
2: Storm, has he gone nuts?
1: Yeah. And then Cylock says... My psychic knife is the focused totality of my telepathic power against it. Wolverine, even your mutant healing factor is no defense. Your nervous system is in total spasm. Your mind locked into a fugue state. So, uh, yeah. it's funny how Psylocke doesn't really say much, but then when she talks, she can't shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's not that she's quiet, she doesn't have anything to say. Just like with Jubilee and Gambit around, she doesn't have time to get anything out. True, right? They're way. not here now. Like so, you know. <laughs> She's like, finally,
1: I can talk about the focused totality of my telepathic power without being interrupted.
2: <laughs> Who's going to interrupt me? Wolverine? No,
1: he doesn't talk. Plus, I just knocked him out. I turned his nerves to jelly.
2: And then we get that page and they even they even pull it out with, with when a uh, Deathbird and Lila come back. Right. <laughs> Two bad beautiful babes with really big guns.
1: Yep. Or the thesis of 90s comics.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: that's it. <laughs> the mission statement of 90s comics. Mm-hmm. Beautiful babes with really big guns.
2: Bam 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 bam.
1: <laughs> and they
2: teleport out. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's pretty great. Um so what how surprised were you? Well, first of all, <laughs> I guess we we were making a trend, right? Have you come on for scroll stories? But um how, <laughs> how surprised were you to see the scrolls show up here? Back
2: then very, because especially back yeah. then it kind of seemed like I mean, I guess that was one of the points when they did Acts of Vengeance because everyone kind of stayed in their own lanes more or less. Right. I mean, you had a few char- villain characters who could be used back and forth. Like, you could use Doom for a few some of the Avengers and stuff. You know, Doom could be used, I mean, even X-Men, Doom could go all over. But, like, for the most part, like, the X-Men fought X-Men villains. Avengers fought Avengers villains. The FF fought FF F- villains. Right. You know? And the Scrolls were really Avengers, Some, you know, FF F- and sometimes Avengers. Never really, I mean, the X-Men in space always dealt with, like, the Shi'ar and the Brood and stuff. You know, never the right. Kree and stuff right exactly yeah i mean the closest we got was uh what dark, dark phoenix saga where there's one kree and one skrull watching <laughs> right and That's they kill true. each other yeah i do like though how this
1: kind of ties the because really claremont's the only person that ever really messed with the shiar but this kind of opens them up to the marvel cosmic in uh yeah, probably leading the way to like uh, Operation Universal. Galactic
2: Storm in the year. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of, kind of build some inroads to having them be more involved in in the Marvel space universe. Um, but yeah. this is
2: also this issue, especially, was in my. Well, I was thinking about it because it's one of the reasons I loved X Men Two, the movie. Okay. Is because it's you know to my when I saw that I'm like this is prime classic x-men teams split up villain you know villain you know working with you know villains are working with the heroes you got some of the good guys working with the bad guys like no one knows what's going on (laughs) everything's insane and that's exactly what we have here i mean the whole team isn't there you know gambit jubilee and you know are missing psylocke is with the other you know as far as we know with the other bad guys you know deathbird is working with them no one knows what's going on. It's insane. Yeah, it's
1: pretty nuts. Um, I did have one question for you, I feel like you probably know more about scrolls than I do. When they shift or shapeshift, do they take on like the smell of the person they turn into or do they always smell scrolly?
2: I think they can do the smell, but I am not a hundred percent certain.
1: I'm just curious if maybe part of Wolverine kind of losing his cool was because he had just recently been around some scrolls in that Fantastic Four story, and he is kind of literally sniffing around. I wonder maybe if he smelled something that that brought back kind of like a bad, like a like a smell flashback to him in a way.
2: That is possible. Yeah, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, a lot of times in scroll stories, there really isn't somebody with that kind of power around. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, like, in, you know, Fantastic Four fight the scrolls, no one really can smell them. Same thing with, like, the Avengers, usually.
1: Okay. All right. So, so maybe they just take on the, the odor when they take on the, the powers. And that was interesting that they are using kind of technology
2: to kind of almost pull the genetic code out. Well, uh, it's a copy of the gadgets. powers, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, they really can't copy... They can just copy... I mean, there are certain physical abilities. Like, I'm sure... Like, if one of them was copying Angel, they'd be fine. Right. But Iceman... You know, they can't make ice. They don't have the ability to generate ice.
1: Yep. I'm there's a Super Scroll, but that was a whole different
2: process. Yes. So. And he can only do four powers.
1: <laughs> yes, he's capped off.
2: He's in those four <laughs> specific powers. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, and uh, Jim Lee draws a pretty mean scroll, especially this kind of barbaric war scroll, Is one nasty-looking mother. Yeah,
2: he is a nasty guy. Wait, where is he? I, I lost a page.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the next to last page.
2: Especially. Oh, that's right, it goes all the way back. It, yeah, that's right, he doesn't pop until the end. Yeah, the Chamberlain turns into the war scroll, and that is a big old scroll. Yeah, it is. That is yeah. not like the little scrawny ones that Jack Kirby drew back in FF number two.
1: <laughs> no, no.
2: Uh, this one's been hitting the weights for sure. Um. By the way, is it just me, or is it kind of funny? Even though it's not Professor X, the scroll that's going to impersonate Professor X several years before the X Men movie comes out is sitting there saying, and it's even emphasized in the panel, "Make it so." Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Years, like 10 years or so before, uh, almost 10 years before uh, Patrick Stewart would play Professor X.
1: Yeah, yeah, very true. I also, it's also a couple of decades before Twilight, but Pref- or the scroll talks about imprinting land which made me think of uh, uh, the, the imprinting the werewolf baby stuff, whatever.
2: Oh yeah, uh, that stuff, I remember hearing about that. Oh, and yeah. one other thing. That last page or two, that especially the panel Professor X with all the cyber circuitry or whatever that is on mm-hmm. top of him. You, okay, so obviously Jim Lee is a fan of Barry Windsor Smith.
1: Yeah, right? Very much a nod.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a Barry Windsor Smith style look.
1: Right. Yeah, especially the... The Weapon X story that is about to start up and over in, uh, Marvel Comics presents. Um, yeah, has has a lot of that going on. Um, all right, cool. Anything else on this issue is pretty rad, but um, I don't think
2: so. It was. It's pretty awesome though. Yeah, it is. It's a great issue. Yeah, there's right. a lot of cool stuff happening here. Oh, and real <laughs> quick, what you had said about the stranger. In um, Deathbird's mind, they did plant that a few times, where she said, "You know, something made me want to go get the X Men." Right. And that's, and then she goes, "Stranger, how dare you?" And obviously, as we know from this story arc, it you know by the next issue, it's Professor X.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it, when I you know, first read of, this, I was like, "Oh, like maybe the 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 strange the bad guy, stranger, the um, oh the guy, the space the guy, Chamberlain."
2: Yeah. Yeah, because he's now and he's now covering, taking over the form of Professor X. So, right, or about yeah, he just did at the end. So he'll have the powers.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, all right. Well, very cool. Well, um,
2: i why don't you take us home with two seventy seven? Okay, Uncanny X Men two seventy seven, free Charlie again. <laughs> Pretty much the same creative team. Chris Claremont writer, Jim Lee Pencil, Scott William Inks, Joe Rose's colors, Tom Orszewski, Tom Orszewski letters, Bob Harris editor, Jim Lee and Scott Williams cover. And the cover this time is Wolverine and Gambit in battle amid a lot of rubble.
1: Yeah, uh, another awesome <laughs> cover. Um, what do you think about
2: this one? I like it. I don't like it as much as the other. I think this is my least favorite out of the four. Doesn't mean I don't oh. like it, just it's okay. not my favorite. I think I like the 275, then 276, then 74, and then 77.
1: Okay. I think I would go... Two, I, I would just switch the last two. I would put, okay. this, I would, I'd put this above 274, probably. Um, so, yeah, I like, I like it quite a bit. Um.
2: It is weird with Gambit wearing the coat over the X-Men uniform. <laughs> yeah. I'm so used to him wearing his actual cost his normal outfit, that this, this looks weird.
1: Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. All right. Well, how does this bad boy wrap up?
2: Oh, and real quick on the cover, we actually do have all the X-Men now on the... Like I said, we have all the faces yeah. on the cover. Right. Which I love. I used to love those corner boxes.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, still a child Storm face for some reason, but,
2: you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, One dollar for an issue. I miss those days. Oh, man.
1: Think of how many comics I could buy if they were still a dollar. Oh,
2: <laughs> I'd be buying so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, so our story starts with the Star Jammers taking aim at the three X Men, Storm, Banshee, and Forge, who are flying towards their ship when Gambit pops out of the ceiling and attacks. And he's most likely the reason why their blasts don't hit the X Men. And Storm responds with a wind attack, <clears throat> which also causes Forge to lose control of his sky sled. But he's able to use his grappling hook in a really cool scene to attach to the ship. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. Inside, yeah, that's a cool thing where he's like, oh! <laughs> Reminds me of Batman 89 movie with the little grappling oh, hook. yeah, yeah. Inside, Gambit is taking on the Starjammers until the others leave to deal with the rest of the X-Men, leaving Gambit alone with Hepzibah, who changes into her large green scroll form. While that is going on, Forge is trying to hack into the ship but is interrupted by Chad who and he is saved by Banshee although Forge is knocked out by the sonic scream as well Banshee is taken out by Raza who's but then saved by Storm who's taken out by Corsair <laughs> <laughs> It really is cool it goes back and forth back and forth yeah and then she's taken out by Corsair or so he thought and then he also changes into his scroll form Meanwhile, inside what they call the mall, which is apparently an asteroid, uh, uh, looks like just a asteroid center, which each one has its own little base on it. And that is where that spider, that uh, technograganic spiderweb is kept that's holding everyone captive. Deathbird and Lila Cheney are there. Uh, before they can do anything, they're attacked by the new Xavier, Gladiator, Psylocke, Jubilee, and Wolverine. Uh, Deathbird's taken out, but Lila escapes. And then teleports the entire Star Jammer ship there. So, you know, go big or go home. <laughs> right? In a really dramatic scene, the door opens up and the X Men show, you know, drop the defeated scrolls in front of them, saying, Hi, we're back. And take on the bad guys. Gambit takes on Gladiator in a pretty cool scene using the entire deck of cards. And that was so <laughs> awesome. Psylocke attempts to use her psychic knife. Which, in case you did not know, is the focused totality of her mental powers. (laughs) But apparently is not able to fully fry Forge's mind, and he's able to blast her. Which causes her to go back, and his blast knocks her into the Nexus Amplifier. That's what that Spider-Up thing is called, apparently. Oh, okay. And she is unable to duplicate Salak again, but is going to kill Forge anyway. And unfortunately, I guess her psychic knife did disrupt him enough that he can't make his fingers pull the trigger wolverine's fighting storm or fake wolverine until gambit stabs him in the back in a kind of a reversal of the one with Deathbird. he's almost killed by wolverine but then saved by gambit a banshee again we got a lot of teamwork going on until fell face ah, until fake professor xavier uses his mental powers to just knock everyone down and go enough i'm dealing with this and then gets tapped on the shoulder because the real professor x is free and beats the snot out of him. Yeah, he does. And that is it. Everyone is happy. They have won. Deathbird is like, you know what? I am sick and tired of being in charge. Being in charge sucks. Lalandra, you deal with it. This is my revenge on you. And by the way, <laughs> don't forget who your boyfriend looked to for help. Gives Charlie a big old smooch and flies away. <laughs> Storm fills in Professor X telepathically what's been happening on Earth, and he realizes the Shadow King is returned, and unfortunately he has to go back to Earth. And so Lila teleports the X-Men back to deal with that. And on Earth, in Salem Center, which we have not been to in a while, Stevie Hunter is walking home until she is attacked by Colossus, who is under control of the Shadow King.
1: Yeah, got a one-page
2: tease of the next story—the Battle of Muir Isle. Yep, yep. It was a fun one. Nice, I think this was a nice climax for the story.
1: Yeah, I agree. Lots of really good fighting. Um, <laughs> I I kind of noticed it when I was reading it, but it really stuck out in your synopsis all the back and forth. Um, one person comes in, does great then gets taken out. Then another person comes in, does great, gets taken out. <laughs> like it's almost like like domino fighting. It was really it was really
2: fun. Yeah, cuz it's like Forge makes his way in, tries, you know, gets taken, you know, tries to take out Chad, but he's going to get taken out. Banshee takes out Chad, then Raza takes out Banshee. <laughs> Storms you know. And of course, before I even got to that page before I even looked at that panel When I saw, because another Claremontian, you know, Claremontism, like the totality, you know, the focus of totality of my psychic powers, as Storm comes in, says, not so long, Starjammer, while I have life and strength to save him. (laughs) Like Before I even saw that, when I just saw the not so long, Starjammer, I'm like, she's going to say life and strength, isn't she? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it, it, like you said, it's a domino thing, but it's, it, it's like each one takes out the other, and then they get taken out, and then they get taken out. It's right. a pretty cool fight.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's a nice, a nice pacing and a nice way to make the fight kind of have a nice uh, rhythm and interest to it, as opposed to just
2: blowing a bunch of stuff up. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, we get the whole—I love Lala Chena bringing the whole ship in. That's awesome.
1: That is, It is I like that uh, Jim Lee kinda highlights a couple of the individual cards. Like we see uh, Gambit with the ace of hearts, and then later with the Jack of Hearts. I thought that was pretty cool. Um How many decks does he carry on his pocket? I mean I guess that's why he has a coat to carry all the decks of cards. I guess so. I guess so. Um, and it may be fake Wolverine, but there's still some pretty awesome Wolverine action in this in this issue as well. Um you know he's cutting into Deathbird and then kind of the subsequent fight is pretty pretty amazing, um, art wise. Um Yeah, and then uh you mentioned Gambit using the whole deck as Gladiator. It's pretty damn great. I
2: really love that. Yeah. That is a pretty cool scene. And again, Gambit gets another good scene when he stabs the fake Wolverine in the back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and going back to that is him protecting Storm, right? Um yep. Kind of still feeling that, you know, even though he's acknowledged her as the leader and encouraged her to stay with the X-Men. Still kind of that feeling that he's got to look out for. Um, so that's, that's pretty
2: great. Yeah. And then, of course, we got that cool scene where Professor X just tap 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 <laughs> i love that uh excuse me
1: and then you usurped my place and powers punch punch long enough punch punch
2: <laughs> and then we get the whole explanation of what he did
1: right yeah right
2: <laughs> he did he fought him physically and mentally using his powers to keep him from uh turning into the Skull form, because, well, he would have been too hard. Professor would actually would not have been able to punch him out then.
1: All right. Yeah, it's funny, um, <laughs> when they leave, that, I think it's just kind of CR, I guess, physiology. But who was like she couldn't care less. He's so blank-faced, like, when they leave, and there's no sadness, no Yeah. <laughs>
2: No, that's true. It's a very empty, blank-looking thing. That's a little like,
1: oh, okay.
2: That's okay. done, I guess.
1: Yeah, the the Shi'ar's are mannequins. Got it.
2: <laughs> but, and we get the return of Stevie Hunter, who we have probably not seen in a long time.
1: It's been a hot minute, yeah. Um, and I haven't seen Colossus in armor in a long time either. So. I mean, it's interesting to see. I can't remember if they talked about how Shadow King took him or if we just kind of assume it happened somewhere and and go with it. I don't remember. If we're going
2: to get anything, I think it's the next issue because I think next issue is Professor X versus Colossus. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think you're right. If anything is going to – so if we get told about how that happened, because I think that's what happens is Professor X has to make him remember who he is, not just think of himself as Peter Nicholas. Gotcha the artist that makes sense but yeah a nice ending for the story but you know a little tease for the next one keep you right. coming back yeah you gotta keep those uh claremont dangling threads going but yeah no this was a, this was fun to read again it's been a while since i read these and so this was enjoyable
1: yeah so what you think of the art overall how did it, how did it stand up for you
2: I think overall, film stood out pretty good. I mean, there were a few things, right? but we pointed those out. But for, for the most part, it wasn't too egregious, you know. Right. I mean, yeah, Nick Fury was a little too overdone, <laughs> but it really wasn't. It didn't really go. I mean, the X-Men, on the other hand, are pretty much very what they should be. Right. Like you said, you know, Nick, you know, all those pouches and all those bullets and. The 5,000, you know, helicopter pieces he had attached to his costume (laughs) doesn't really make good for, you know, for action, you know, doing action. But the X-Men's outfits are right.
1: Yeah. And the the streamlined uniforms look really good in these
2: pages as well. I just want to know one thing. What's that? Where did the robes come from that Jubilee, Wolverine and Salak are wearing? The robes. um... The same page where the next to last page. You know, the, the, line, the panel right above the one of L'Angelo looking like a mannequin.
1: Oh, oh, when they all come out of the spider web naked and they need some yeah. modesty. Yeah, that's just a plot modesty robes.
2: Ah, okay, that's where they come from. Yeah. It's like, where did these robes come from? Right? <laughs> and
1: the, the scrolls had them laying around. And I'm sure the scrolls have lots of use for wardrobe.
2: And I bet you the I bet you Wolverine's robe had his cigarette in it too because he's laying yes. up there.
1: <laughs> you don't want to know where I keep
2: this jubilee. <laughs> Although that one could be more easily explained because Gambit was still smoking at the time, so maybe he got it from Gambit. True. Yeah, with the deck, of,
1: uh, he's got the deck of cards and the pack of cigarettes all together.
2: <laughs>
1: awesome. That's why well, you have the
2: coat, all the pa- all the co- pockets.
1: Yeah, we have all the pouches and all the pockets. <laughs> all right, what about... So, obviously, I, I feel it's safe to say we both had a lot of fun with the story. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, what do you want to rate these issues out of six claws? Out
2: of six. Yeah. Honestly, I really enjoyed this. There's some minor art issues, but otherwise, at the very the lowest I can go, I think it's five and a half out of six.
1: I'm right there with you. I really kind of wrestle with myself, like rationally and critically. Like I, I don't know if they're perfect, so I kind of want to say five, but emotionally and just how much fun I had, I kind of want to say six. So, yeah. Oh, no,
2: uh, hey, you enjoyment know. and having fun with it, and, like being able to be in, in brought into the story, is definitely a big part of it.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, even if there is a plot hole or two, and there's not really that many, I mean, major plot holes. I mean, even the one I, point, I thought of was last issue with the, uh, or 275 with the holographic projector was at least seeded in before. Right. I was wrong about that. <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't matter if it has a perfect plot and everything fits in. If it's boring and not entertaining, it's not a good story.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. For the most
2: part, it works and it's damn entertaining and keeps you enthralled. And you're like, ooh, what's going on next? Right. Yep, and lots of fun
1: interactions. You know what? I think I'll go ahead and just, I'll bite the bullet and uh, say six out of six
2: claws for me.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean I'm just going five and a half mainly some of the art issues and like right. It's just because like it's it's young Jim Lee still. Right. Yeah. You know he's not you know he's not as good as he would be a few few years later. Yeah. Very true. And you know there are some things that he's definitely drawing more for I think coolness (laughs) than story. Right. Right. And I mean, uh, the one story thing I do have to say about it, which bothered me a bit, even though it doesn't get touched on, is, like, the rogue power thing is just so, like, there we go, power's back. Right, yeah. It just kind of felt like a bit of... With so much going on before of her not having powers, that the power thing just happens and is even, is barely even blinked at.
1: Yeah. In yeah. sort. No, that's a very fair <laughs> point. Um,
2: but otherwise, yeah, no damn good issues.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, especially, you know, as a Wolverine fan think, again, just seeing more of him kind of coming back into the team and how he interacts with people. And then, think um, think you know, also really impressed, like I said, just how much Gambit kind of gets us, uh, some really good spotlight. So, yeah, really, really enjoyed this and uh, really enjoyed talking through it with you.
2: Oh, this is definitely fun.
1: Yeah. So, Al, um, where can people find you?
2: Well, you can find me on my show, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, which is about Adam Warlock and Thanos. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Right there in the title. Uh, One of the best, I mean, we're, you know, find it wherever you find most podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Also a good place to find it is our our Tumblr page, ResurrectionsAdamWarlock.tumblr.com, and you can you can also find us on twitter at adam thanos pod yeah
1: and go do all of that well worth your time very entertaining show um really enjoy i i forgotten how much i love when your brother's on y'all you guys uh you can tell there's some really uh
2: just kind of fun there so yes and we have some of him coming up we're going to be finishing up the uh how soon is this coming out
1: uh, this will probably be right around the holiday, probably right around the 4th.
2: Okay, so within a month of this, because that's going to be right around episode 98 and 99 of mine, episodes 101 to 103, we'll have him back on because we're going to be finishing up Infinity Countdown.
1: Oh, cool. Very cool. You know anything special for 100?
2: Oh, yeah. That's going to be coming out, as far as, I get, as far as I get it edited in time, uh, July 28th, and that's going to be John Wilson back. Nice. Who you know if you listen to this show, at least. Right. We're going to be doing a double-sized episode, Warlock 13 and 14.
1: Very cool. I can't wait. So, yeah, so listeners, if you haven't already, definitely go check out Alice Podcast. Like I said, just a really fun show, and, you know, it's, it's got... I, I would say y'all are the premier Thanos podcast and premier Adam Warlock podcast. So <laughs> We are the <laughs> premier
2: and the worst. Yeah. <laughs> We are both yeah. the best and the worst. Yeah.
1: That's
2: the great thing about being the only. You get to be everything.
1: Yeah. That's true. That's
2: true. Um, yeah, go check that out.
1: Uh, you know, for sure. Like I said, well worth your time. And uh, I just listened to a couple episodes, catching up. Uh, had a really fun in-game episode that you'll definitely want to check out um, if you're a fan of the MCU. So, and then plus whatever he's put out since... Between now and then, <laughs> between the time we record and when I put this out. So, yes. um, so go check all that out for sure. Um, you know, as always, for the podcast to go snitch, you can, uh, like the Facebook page. Twitter is that snitcast. Uh, website is, uh, snitcast.podv.com. Um, Al, any closing thoughts on these issues or just really anything, I guess? Uh,
2: yes. Professor I, I like Professor X in the uh, cyber tree, the cyber cybernetic armor. That's pretty cool looking. Yeah, that although, was
1: a nice design. <laughs> Strifish or not.
2: <laughs> yeah. Although in the although also means I'm wearing the circuitry on him. One thing we forgot to mention, they really made sure they had enough circuitry to cover his uh nutty parts. <laughs> yes, those are did. not in shadow. <laughs> and I just have to wonder, does that chafe?
1: Um You've got to wonder what taking the circus off feels like. I mean, From, I any, from anything, your bald head or anything. Um,
2: that's the one thing him and Magneto have in common in this issue. That's the common thread between the two of them here in these story, the storyline. <laughs> Chafing. Yeah, there you go. Oh, and we
1: did, I, I forgot to mention, you know, we did get to see the classic where he pulls the costume on, like, metal bit by metal bit.
2: Yeah, that was cool. It reminds me of Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So
1: Awesome. Well Al, thank you so much for coming on again and uh, we will do it again soonish <laughs> depending oh, well, on thanks. schedule and all that. But um really
2: appreciate it. Well thank you for having me and yes, definitely.
1: All right. Cool. Well um until next time everybody oh well I guess let's talk about next time. So the next flashback episode will be the aforementioned Mirror Island saga. And then the next regular episodes will be uh, the last issue of X-Men Grand Design. So lots of cool stuff coming up to check out. And um, until you're listening to that, we will say goodbye. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And
0: snacked.